Hello, everyone, Whoa. and welcome back to the Average Film Enjoyer podcast, where your hosts Jagger Film Reviews and Trey the Film Noob. And today we're going to be talking about Barbenheimer, which took the world by storm. Um, and we're going to split it down the middle with the Barb and the Enheimer. Uh, and I'm going to kind of, uh, we're going to start with the Barb section. We're going to talk about Barbie. Uh, what was your stance on Barbie? Like, what do you think of it as a movie? I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I'm hesitant to review, like, I thought as a comedy and as a film, it was really fun and I had a really good time with it. I'm hesitant to review the themes about it because it's obviously a film that's not made for us, you know? <laughs> it's not made for me and my dad. It's made for, like, my sisters and my mom and my aunts and my grandmas. It's, it's made for women and people who identify as women it because has huge heavy heavy themes of women empowerment and feminism and all this stuff um so i'm not here to comment on that because i i can't you know because i'm a white male um but i will say i did enjoy the way they put their themes across i thought it worked really well i thought it was super tasteful um and i also think Ryan Gosling was unbelievable in this. I mean, that man can do everything, and he was so, so funny in this. But I know uh, you have a lot more to say about this movie than I do personally, so I would love to hear uh, some of the thoughts you had on it. So why don't you take it away? Um, yeah, I loved it. And um, I'm going to quickly talk about the themes because, I mean... This movie is the most feminist movie to ever be released. And I think, like you said, it does it really well. I think it's an important topic that isn't talked about as much in a lot of movies. And I think that they covered it really well. And like you said, this is not a topic for us to really stand on for too long. So I'm going to hop over to talking about it as a movie. Um, like, I, like you had said, it's an incredible, incredible comedy with an incredible cast, and the writing is great, the acting is great, Ryan Gosling has a incredible singing voice, which I guess was established in some of his other movies, like La La Land, but still, um, his I'm Just Ken song, I think's the name of it, was very well sung, um, just wanted to throw that out there, I believe that's the name of the song, I'm Just Ken, uh, yeah, it is. Um, but I would like to talk about the performance in this movie, or the character in this movie that, in my opinion, had the whole theater cracking up. And being in a sold-out theater was great for this movie, but Michael Sarah playing Alan in this movie had, like, every time he was on screen, I was in shambles laughing. I, I totally agree. I mean, there's so many moments that made me laugh. Uh, but, like, in my review, I said, I want more Alan. I think Michael Sarah killed it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you there. And having an obscure moment where, like, Alan is just, like, this side guy the whole time, and he's really awkward, and then, like, out of nowhere, there's, like, this crazy moment where he just starts beating everyone up. I, that had me laughing. Um, but other moments that really had me laughing, the opening of the movie being a direct reference to 2001 A Space Odyssey. 
I was yeah. in a, I was in a theater with a lot of young like kids that didn't understand that. So therefore I was unfortunately the only one in the theater in the back of the theater there's just this one person laughing and that's me. Um but I thought that it was hilarious. I thought that it was incredible and um I think that although this movie is obviously not made for people like you and me, it does have a lot of stuff that does appeal to all audiences. Um, and a lot of things that are really, really funny that do um, yeah. a lot of things that other movies uh, sh- kind of tend to go for a specific audience, but this movie tries to aim to all, and I think that that's really good. Yeah. I I mean, I totally agree. I was in a theater, and I just want to say, this is one of the best theater experiences I've had this year, besides Across the Spider-Verse, because being, I went and saw this by myself, um, and being in a theater full of women and young girls and watching them experience this movie, I felt was really powerful, and only, like, it, like, amped up how I felt about the movie being in that theater and having that experience, I thought was really interesting. But yeah, I was in like 2001 is not a movie that your casual moviegoer is familiar with. It's a very like film bro movie because I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's not for everybody. Um, And so I was sitting there and I realized what was happening like I realized with all the little girls and they started destroying their dolls and the song started playing and I just started cackling. Like I was almost falling out of my seat laughing so hard. And everybody was like, look at like, there was a few chuckles here and there, but everybody was like looking at me like, what is this guy laughing about? But I was just sitting there just dying, loving every single minute of that reference. I thought it was so funny. Um, and one, one moment, I two actually two moments I want to bring up that probably made me laugh the hardest. Uh, honorable mention: Kate McKinnon as Weird Barbie. Anytime she was on screen, I was giggling. Um, but my two favorite moments um, are when Ken asks Barbie, he's like, "So can I sleep over tonight?" And she's like, "Yeah, why?" And he's like. Because we're boyfriend and girlfriend. And she says, well, what are we going to do? And he said, I honestly don't know. I was dying. I thought that was so funny. And then near the end, when Barbie comes over to Ken's man cave and is like... His Mojo Dojo Casa House. Yes, the Mojo Dojo Casa House, which I need as a dollhouse. I need that, please. Um, And... uh, when he when she comes over and she's like, I'm ready to be a uh, long-term, low-commitment uh, girlfriend for you. And he's like, can you just give me one second? And close the swinging doors, walks behind the wall and just goes, I'm! And walks back and he's like, I'll have to think about it. <laughs> I was like, I was dying. I thought that was so funny. Yelling sublime is just one of those things you didn't expect out of this movie, but one of those things that you didn't know you needed, but you did. Um, yes. One more moment that you left out, um, the part where she's talking about like not being perfect anymore, and then the narrator just comes on and freezes it. To the filmmakers, if you're really trying to get this point across, point across 
don't cast Margot Robbie. That had me dying. Yes, I thought that was absolutely hilarious. That, yeah, that was so funny. I mean, like, we could just go on and on all day about all the funny moments in this. Um, oh, Because it, it was stacked with so many good jokes. Could we please, though, if, we're go- if you're going somewhere, could we please mention the beach off scene? <laughs> I'll beat you off all day. I'll beat both of you off <laughs> at the same time. And- I... I get that. It was in the trailer, you know, so for some people, it wouldn't hit. So I'd seen that clip probably 30 times before seeing the movie, but I was still giggling because I'm, I'm an immature 19-year-old, so I'm like, yeah, he's saying, sounds like he's saying he's going to beat him off. And I'm like, yeah, this is so funny. Uh, so I, I really loved that moment. Oh, and I just want to mention, and it sounds like you almost made up, I was sitting next to, um, I was sitting like, there was one empty chair, and then a bunch of little kids, like little girls, and this one old woman. And as soon as that scene came on, I saw the panic in her eyes. And it was so funny. Because the moment is funny, and also the the old woman understanding that with this group of little girls that don't, and seem completely, like, unaware of what's happening. Yeah. That, that, that I... That it was so funny. Yeah, for sure. I thought that moment um, was so so good. And I also want to say, um, I'm I'm just Ken is the new Manor Muppet for Film Bros. Um, the amount of times after seeing that, I had that song cranked in my car, and I'm like, I'm just Ken. Da, da. Um is like innumerable um and one um more moment oh man i just i was just thinking of it. oh god oh yeah any moment where ryan gosling is like what's what do you do beach that i i that was really funny um oh wait you cut out there uh but that's yeah. okay just keep going just keep going i'm back that's all that matters yeah um, the part where John Cena randomly pops up as the mermaid Ken. <laughs> yes. Yes. We love a good John Cena cameo. Um, like you said, Kate McKinnon was great. Uh, I liked the, I liked that there was more than one Stanley Cooper <laughs> reference in there when she was saying like, are you like shining with this lady who's convinced she's Barbie? Um, yeah, that yeah. I funny. caught that. And I know a lot of people in my theater did not. Um, but I caught that and I was like, oh, little shining reference. Love that. I still don't get why Dua Lipa was in the movie. She's not an actress. Um, I don't know. I liked it. I yeah. mean, I just love Dua Lipa as a musician. So any Dua Lipa that I can get, I'm like, yes, Dua Lipa, you know? So yeah. I was like, yeah. Sweet. More Dua Lipa. Um, but I'm just saying it was a weird casting choice to have. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, uh, America Ferreira was great in that role. Uh, Kate McKinnon was great. I might have already said that, but her playing Weird Barbie, she had some of the funniest moments in that whole movie. Issa Rae was also great. Um, I can go on and on. This whole cast was a, a really like good cast. Um, yeah, Greta I... Gerwig with another W directing. <laughs> Yeah, I had a question for you. If this movie wins an Oscar, 
what is it going to win? What is it going to win? Um, it's not going to win Best Lead Actress um, because I think that is going to Oppenheimer, personally. Um, but Which we'll get to Oppenheimer in a minute. Um, if this wins anything, I think it's going to be set design. I mean, everything about this movie was great. Yeah, I agree. I think it's either either going to win Best Set Design or Best Costume Design. Yeah, um, the costume design matching up with real actual Barbie outfits was also very like, yeah. Well just the visuals out. of this movie were very stunning, and I really enjoyed that. It's a really beautiful movie to look at. Yeah. Um. So, do you want to transition into Oppenheimer, or do you have any last thoughts that you would like to talk about? Uh, I would like to address um, the concept that this movie has a sad ending. Um, oh, that... did we lose Jagger? No. Oh. Oh, we're having some technical difficulties here. <laughs> oh, crap. That's my bad. I don't know what. My Discord's been being poopy all day. I'm sorry, everybody. Oh, what, uh, I, what I was saying is that uh, this movie has a, like... Relatively sad ending, which I was not yeah. expecting at all. Yes, I. I mean, I definitely agree, um, and I definitely teared up a little bit. I know a lot of the women around me were sobbing their eyes out. Yeah, um, because it's just like it's 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 like takes on like a truth that is in our society that we like deny, deny, deny that we actually are like sexist, but it's true, you know? Um, and that's why that ending was so powerful and so emotional is because it was just like, Hey, this is true. This is something we have to deal with. Um, and this is something we have to fix. Um, and then it has its final line that again, had me absolutely cracking up where she's like going in for, Presumably a job application. I'm here to see my gynecologist. That, again, yeah. had me dying. Yeah, that was so funny. That and was so unexpected, but I loved it. I was told that I missed a post-credit scene. Really? I didn't stay for a post-credit scene. I was like, all right, I'm out of here. I need to go get lunch before Oppenheimer. Yeah, um, but presum- I guess there was some open... Like end credit scene, I'm not sure, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I have no but, clue. Um, I have it at an 87 out of 100 for four and a half stars. Uh, I don't know what you rated it out of because I haven't been on Letterboxd today yet. So, uh, I what do you? At? I too gave it a four and a half. To avoid controversy, uh, there's gonna be a cut here. Um. Because we sort of talked about, like, the themes of this movie for a little bit. And I realized that um, we are trying to stay in neutral place, this podcast. We're trying not to bother anyone. And we're going to leave everyone to have their own opinions about um, this movie and where it stands with a lot of stuff. So, yeah, uh, I'm happy for everyone to have their own opinion. I respect everyone's opinion. Because um, I believe everyone should have their own right to believe. Um, but yeah, to avoid controversy, this next segment has been cut out. Yeah, so keep enjoying this episode.
And it also is PG-13. Yeah. So, you're going to see a kid's movie. This movie is made literally for teenagers. So, yeah. if you're not expect- expecting a few sex jokes, then you were going into it with the wrong expectations. Yeah, so I guess that's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. However, uh, a movie that is R-rated at a standard, the other side of Barbenheimer, the Enheimer aspect, is uh, Oppenheimer. And you love this movie, so I'm going to leave it to you to say whatever you want. Okay. So I've been thinking all day about what I want to say here. Um, so I did the Barbenheimer double feature. Um, I... I had a shirt that said Barbenheimer 72123. I went and saw Barbie at three o'clock, took an hour and a half break at the mall I was at, went and sat in a coffee shop and sat on my computer, wrote my review for Barbie. Um, and then I saw Oppenheimer at seven o'clock. So at this point, I had been at the uh, movie theater and the mall since two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so I'd been there for about five hours. Wait waiting and waiting to go see this film this was my most anticipated film of the year um i think this is one of the greatest movies i've ever seen this movie is i mean it's really hard to put it into words how much this movie means to me i've seen it three times since it came out um and it's just like it's unbelievable. Um, and like you can talk about everything that you can categorize a movie in, and everything was so good. So, one of the things I want to touch on is that the fact that this movie, if the Oscars happen right now, and I don't see any other movies besides Killers of the Flower Moon and, um, uh, oh crap, uh, Napoleon coming out that are going to top this film. Um, I I think this movie is going to sweep the Oscars. I think Killian Murphy right now is a lock for best actor. I think RDJ is a lock for best supporting. I think that Emily Blunt um, could win best supporting actress. I think that... Uh, Christopher Nolan could win for Best Director and Best Adapted Screenplay. I think this is going to win for Best Picture. I think this is going to win for Best Score, Best Sound Editing, Best VFX, Best Cinematography. I I mean, everything about this movie was perfect. It's, it's, it's definitely not your general, like, Nolan film. Like, these high-octane, engaging, visual spectacle thrillers. It's very dialogue-driven. Um, but the script is so tight and it's so well written that it's just like you're engaged the whole time. And Nolan does a really good job at having the score. That's like what drives his pacing. And that's what keeps you engaged um, is his score. And that is what I think this is one of the greatest scores of all time. Um, Ludwig, Ludwig Gorenson put his entire heart into this and it totally shows um the writing is amazing the visuals are amazing um and i mean everything about this film was just unbelievable um and i would like to hear your general thoughts before we get into talking about uh specific scenes and such 
Um, so I have a stance on this movie. I say that it is very good. I agree that it is going to sweep the Oscars. Uh, but I have one thing that I believe that you might not believe, and I know that a lot of people don't believe, and it is that you do feel this runtime. And it is a great movie. You, it is never boring, so you do stay with it. But it's not at any point a movie that feels very, like fast-paced because it is a slow-paced movie that gets all of its points in and it does it all very well um but for me a movie like Bo is Afraid that has that three-hour runtime it feels like a 90-minute movie this is a movie that is very good um but does take its time to get where it wants to be and it has a great payoff but you do feel the runtime um, and now I've only seen it once, so I can't say if it's one of those movies that gets increasingly faster as you watch it and you really, like, you know where you're going to end up, so it feels more fast-paced. But it is a three-hour movie, and at, and you have to acknowledge the fact that it's a three-hour movie, and you do feel that, but that might just be me. So what's your stance on that? You know what's funny is I am, like, the exact opposite of you. So, like, one of my favorite genres is like boardroom thrillers so something like the social network or the big short just very dialogue heavy movies where the dot where the script is like it's so tight and it's so it's so clean and and it bites a little and you're just like engaged into every word um and that's why i think personally for me i I will say this. I did feel the runtime the first time I watched it. The second time, I felt it a heck of a lot less. Um, and the third time I watched it, I barely felt it at all. We got done, and I was like, wait, that was that was three hours? Um, I definitely would say this is one you need to watch twice. Um, I gave it a 98 out of 100 the first time I watched it, and I... Would it, if I could have, I would have given this 120 out of 100 the second time. Um, it has so much, like, once you see it once and you, you know the general gist of the film and you go back to watch it again, you can pay attention to these more niche aspects of the film and it just enhances the experience. Um, and so for me, I don't really feel the runtime, um, but uh. I can definitely see where people that aren't totally into those super dialogue-driven, dialogue-heavy movies, I could definitely understand where they're coming from. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of scenes in this movie that I found very entertaining. Uh, I will say, I don't know if it's just my theater, but having seen it in IMAX, I don't understand why everyone's saying that it's like so deafening. It wasn't that loud. Um, yeah. I agree. I mean, it was loud. It yeah. was really loud. But I'm hearing people that are like, oh my god, that movie almost made me go deaf. And I'm like, what? It was not that loud. I heard one person say that it feels like being at a rock concert where you can't hear yourself talk. At no point is it like that. No. Um, having seen the movie Talk to Me, I will say Talk to Me feels significantly louder. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I could name a bunch of movies that I've seen in theaters that just felt loud that this one didn't. Um, it, there were loud moments for sure. Uh, there was the, 
a bomb test drop where it went silent for a minute and then it became yeah. loud. And in that moment, yes, it was loud, but it lasts a whole second or two. Um, and as well as that, I would like to quickly address um, having gone to see this movie, like hyping myself up, waiting for the 15 minute sex scene that I have to sit through with my dad that everyone was talking about. And it doesn't have that. Uh, yeah, I was. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. There is like there is two sex scenes, and both of them last like twenty seconds. There may be fifteen minutes of people just talking in the nude. Like there may be fifteen minutes of just Florence Pugh just talking with her shirt off, but there is no fifteen minute sex scene. So if our listeners take away anything from this podcast, take away this. There is no fifth. 15 minute sex scene that is false news don't listen to that it is not true and i was like okay we're just gonna get through this you're gonna act like you don't see it you're gonna sit on your phone and you're gonna be like oh what's this um there was no 15 minute sex scene and i am like so thankful for that um yes because then i don't know if christopher nolan heard that and said oh it'd be funny to toy with everyone there's an interview online where he says it was my first time doing like sex stuff in a movie, uh, and I gotta say, I'm really proud of how I did. It, it scared me. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree, and when I heard that it was gonna be, there was, like, a 15-minute sex scene, I didn't believe it, because in no Nolan movie have we, because he's even got criticized for how he handles women in his film, and how he develops his characters of, like, women characters in his films, um, and he's never even like dabbled in sex scenes in his films. Um, and so to hear like, oh yeah, the Sue Christopher Nolan movie has a 15 minute sex scene. Like I was like, okay, that can't, that can't be true. Like that, that, that's not Christopher Nolan. But then it kept coming up. <laughs> yeah. Everyone yeah, there, there, was talking about it. There's not a lot of sex, but I will say this. There's definitely a lot of boobs. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Um, but nothing worse than you would get out of, like, an, any other R-rated movie, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, know that it is an R-rated label, but don't worry. There's no 15-minute sex scene. I would like to get that out yeah. of the way. Because if that keeps spreading, that could impact the sales of this movie. And I don't want this movie to fail. I think that it deserves every dollar it's getting. Um, yes. Um, before we move on, I would like to talk about really quickly. Um, so we have three, like, the three biggest acting performances people are talking about in this film are Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, and Robert Downey Jr. Now, those are the three people... Um, who probably have the most screen time. Those are our three main characters. Killian Murphy is the lead. Uh, Emily Blunt is the supporting actress. And Robert Downey Jr. is a supporting actor. But I want to say, with this stacked cast, I think there are people in this movie that aren't even... that like. So, first of all, I want to point out Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh plays um, Niels Bohr, um, who is a German scientist. Um, and he's in, he has two scenes in this movie. And each scene, I am absolutely enthralled by him. Like, he did such a good job. Um, I mean, like, you go all the way down. Like, a big one I wanted to touch on. Jason Clark 
So for people that don't know, Jason Clark played Roger Robb in this film. He was the prosecutor in all the hearing scenes. Um, and I thought he was unbelievable. I think, honestly, he could be up for Best Supporting Actor. He was so, so good in this. He, oh, he made me hate him so much. Um, and that kind of transitions into a scene I want to talk about. So there's a scene near the end where he is interrogating, um, or he's interviewing, I guess, but it really was, like, interrogating, uh, Kitty, Emily Blunt's character, Robert Oppenheimer's wife. And you feel the score in it, like, you feel it building, right? And so he starts interviewing her, and she's being really timid, and, like, she's acting very scared. And, 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 uh, you, like, like, there's, like, this second where you watch her, like, her brain, like, her facial expression just completely switches. And you feel the score, like, shift tones. And you realize, like, oh, crap. She's been, like, leading on on. And then Emily Blunt just goes on to absolutely make a fool of this prosecutor who's been destroying everybody all day. She just goes on to make an absolute fool out of him. And I think... Besides the Trinity scene, which I think is the best scene in this movie, um, no debate. I mean, that scene is unbelievable. Um, I think that's the best scene. I loved that so much. Um, yeah, that. Uh, can you quickly point out which scene that is? Because, uh, uh, like, it's it's what? It's near the end, um, and it's when Jason Clark, uh, who played the prosecutor in all the hearing scenes like in the little evaluation scenes in the little room yeah um it's when he's interviewing emily blunt um and it's like oh wait is near that the end. no the trinity scene i'm trying to think of what that is oh the trinity scene sorry it's when they test the bomb oh it's yeah, like yeah, yeah the and when i talk about the trinity scene i don't want to say just the trinity scene i want to say the trinity sequence so like basically from when they start building the uh when they start building the tower that they're going to drop it off and that's when like i've li listened to the score a bunch of times that's when that song starts and that seven minute sequence to when they drop the bomb i'm like i thought i was gonna pass out because of how stressed i was like when that clock is counting down i'm just like count faster and it's oh and I loved the choice, like, because I, I think we all completely forgot about this, is how slow the sound travels. Like, they're all, like, 10, 20 miles away of this bomb. And so it's just silent for, like, a minute. And everybody's, like, and all you hear is, like, everybody breathing in the movie. And then just, <laughs> you just the whole theater just shakes. That, I think, is the best sequence in the movie. Yeah. I mean, this it's an insane, insane epic of a film. Um, but yeah, there's one thing in this movie that I didn't quite, um, like, that I wasn't expecting. And it was, like, a weird kind of disturbed image um, where all the people's skin is peeling off. Yes. Oh, I loved that scene. I thought that scene was perfect. Um and the sound editing was perfect in that scene. And I thought it was so haunting and creepy and unsettling. I loved that. 
And one more thing that I wanted to mention uh, about this movie. Um, the fact that they never showed the bombing of Hiroshima. Uh, yeah, what are you- your thoughts on this? Because I've seen a lot of people as this is their biggest complaint. You could have told me, you could have asked me, what's one thing that's going to be in this movie? And I would have said the bombing of Hiroshima. And I was, I don't know if you've seen Come and See. Um, But the ending of Come and See, I'm not going to spoil the ending of it, but they show real footage um, of World War II. And they show real stuff that happened in the Holocaust. And if you look, there is something, and you can look at it on Letterboxd, from 1953 called Hiroshima, that is just real footage of the Hiroshima bombing. And I thought, there's no chance that this isn't played somewhat. Or that there's no actual footage. Because everyone was saying it's something like a horror movie. It has a terrifying ending. And I was expect, and I didn't know that the ending that they were talking about was his that haunting face he was making with everything, where it's like showing like what it bombed in like a zoomed out thing. Um, I thought it was going to be showing the real bombing of Hiroshima, um, and I guess I was wrong. And I understand that what they did with it makes a lot of sense because they didn't need to show it because this movie is not about the nuclear bomb. This movie is about Robert J. Robert Oppenheimer. Um, so I understand why they did it. Do I think that the movie could have been more powerful if they had shown it? Yes. But do I also think that they did it for a reason and the movie was still very, very powerful and got a lot of its points across? Yes. So that's my exact stance on it. So this is something... I have to disagree with you on. Um, first of all, like you said, this movie is not, it's not about the atomic bomb and it's not about World War II. It's not about Hiroshima. This movie is about J. Robert Oppenheimer. Yeah. And it, from his perspective. And a lot of people's gripes with this movie are, like you said, they didn't show anything from Hiroshima. They didn't show, like, how they took all this land away from the Native Americans, right? Um, And so, but I liked it because this movie is from Oppenheimer's perspective, right? This, Matt Damon talks about, this is one of the first scripts he read that was written in the first person. This script was written in the view, like scripts are usually written in the third person. This script was written in the view of Oppenheimer, right? So it was like, uh, and the, instead of saying Oppenheimer walked in, it would say I walked in, right? Um, so I think that the reason they didn't decide to show those things is that it's not what his mind was occupied by. I think that, and it's just another reason to show how obsessed he was with achieving this. And um, And when they do show... Um, little glimpses like the like you talked about uh, that scene where he's speaking to all the scientists after they had dropped it and he starts to hallucinate and basically have PTSD and he steps in the uh, burnt corpse. Um, again, I think they did that because it's supposed to be, for me at least, I, as I understand it, it's supposed to be from his perspective. 
Um, and I really liked that choice. And also, I don't think it would be great if a white, British, middle-aged male um, tried to make a film about how all these Japanese people were affected by the atomic bomb. That just, like, it wouldn't feel right, right? That's not in Christopher Nolan's place to talk about. Um, so I really respected the choice not to do that um, because this film is in the view of Oppenheimer. And that's what the story is based around, not this other stuff that also happened at the same time, you know? And that's just my personal stance on it. Um, and you, you mentioned the ending scene, so I would love to transition into that. Um, that ending scene is 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 stuff of nightmares like when he's talking about the chain reaction and he's there with albert einstein and he's like hey albert do you remember when i came to you all those years ago and asked if it's possible that we and told you it's possible that we start a chain reaction that destroys the entire world and albert einstein is like yeah of course he said and he says i think we did and then it shows the whole world getting destroyed. And then him in that airplane. I thought that was so haunting because it really goes to show like how the creation of atomic bomb affected our, our society and how nuclear warfare affects our society now. Um, and like what that creation created essentially. Um, and so that was another really standout scene for me um, that I really, really enjoyed and I thought was very powerful uh, and just really made me look at the world in a different way. Yeah, um, that scene, like you said, is really haunting. Um, and it's one that I still do think about even after the movie's over. And I've got to say, everything that they did there was done very very well and yeah. i think that a lot of this movie is done very very well i for one gave it a four and a half star rating um and i guess you could say it's on personal enjoyment but i totally understand that it would need a rewatch for me to really rate it off personal enjoyment i think that if you look at it from a technical standpoint this movie is a marvel um yeah i mean every nolan movie is yeah, so, I don't know, I feel um, like... I think it's something that definitely, I think it'll go up for everybody on rewatch, um, just because you're not so worried about these main characters and picking up on the plot, uh, because you already know it. So you can focus on these little niche parts and these little characters and, and, and really, like, enthrall yourself in this epic of a film. Yeah, and I feel like epic is the best word for it. So I didn't do the Barbenheimer double feature, and I'm embarrassed to say that, because I really wanted to, um, but I didn't get the chance. So I would like to hear from you, as someone who did do the Barbenheimer double feature, how did it improve your experience, and how do you think it would improve your experience from watching them on separate dates? And do you think that the double feature trend of weird movies that come out on the same day should be a popular thing for other movies in the future? I mean, I don't know. 
I like double features. Like I even outside of Barbenheimer, I do that a lot. I have Regal on. We have uh, Regal where I live, and I have Regal Unlimited, so I go to the movies like three, four times a week, and I do double features a lot. Um, just because I have to ride the bus to our movie theater, and it's like an hour long bus ride, so like I'm there. And, like, if I have time, like, I'm going to be like, well, I'm here, so I might as well see another one. I've done triple features before, um, and I love it. I think it's a great time. I'm going to another one on Wednesday. I'm going to go see uh, Talk to Me and Haunted Mansion back-to-back. Um, and, yeah, I love it. I think it's fun. Um, I think it's definitely just a fun way to spend your day. Um, it's definitely not for everybody. Uh, I'm a guy that can bust out six, seven movies in a day. Um, and that just sounds unheard of to a lot of people. So I definitely don't recommend it to everybody. Um, but if you feel like you can sit through two movies and be totally engaged, um, in both, I think you should do it. I think it's a great time. I think it's a good activity to do with friends. Uh, and, um, I think that, but that is to say, if you don't feel like you don't want to go see the first movie and then you're so exhausted after, that you can't engage in the second movie at all. So if that's you, just see them on separate days. That's totally okay. You know? Yeah. But like for me, personally, like I, I could sit at the movies, watch four all day and be perfectly fine. Um, but again, not for everybody, you know, but for me, I love it. I love the double feature. Yeah. And I think a double feature can be really great. Uh, if you have one near you, a lot of drive-ins do double features, and I absolutely love drive-ins. Um, I think that a double feature can be a lot of fun. But like you said, it is not something that a lot of people can do. Um, but if you are someone who either has a day to do it or has a long attention span, I think that it's something that everyone should try at least once, in my opinion, yeah. that is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. But as someone who did not see Barbie and Oppenheimer on the same day, I will say that it did not exactly destroy my experience, and I still had a lot of fun um, yeah. seeing them both, because I loved both of the movies. Um, yeah. They're so, yeah. I wouldn't say it's necessary, but I would say that if it is something that you wouldn't mind doing, I would say it probably does add to the experience. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, I've been looking forward to this day for, like, two months. I asked it off for work, and I had it, like, I bought my tickets, like, a month ago, and I had this whole outfit planned, and I had my whole day planned around it. It's a great time. That's, like, your kind of thing. If that's something you can handle doing, I, too, recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything, any more points you want to touch on? I touched on all I want to touch on and uh, for Oppenheimer. I is there anything else? I, want to I touched on all I want to touch on, and we talked about it as a double feature. So, yeah. Um, cool. We thank you guys for listening in on our podcast today, and we thank you for um, listening to our episodes. Uh, if this is your first time hearing us, we have a lot of other episodes that you should listen to. Um, and yes, I am pressuring you to listen to them. You have to. Uh, <laughs> but 
yeah, we have a lot of other episodes. We talk about a lot of stuff. Um, you can follow our TikToks. My TikTok is Jagger Film Reviews. Yours is Trey the Film Noob. You can follow us on Letterboxd. His is also Trey the Film Noob or Trey RZ. You can go by either. I believe my Letterboxd is just Trey RZ. It's just Trey RZ. Mine is Jagger Pot Pie. You can do that as well. And yeah, tell all of your film nerd friends about us. We really appreciate it. Leave us a review. Yeah, um, we touched on all we want to touch on. So we just talk about movies here. It's called Average Film Enjoyer for a reason. Um, Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening in, and we'll see you next episode.